the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Acts. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. They've just been punished severely for something they didn't do. They're thrown in prison and they're just joyfully, they're praying and they're singing and all the other prisoners are hearing. You know, God in His infinite wisdom, of course, you know, He loves the people in the prison here as much as He does the people outside of the jail. And these people need to hear the gospel too. So Paul and Silas are going to pray and they're going to sing and the people are going to bear witness to this because it says there that the other prisoners heard this. In verse 25, the other prisoners were listening to them. It's making an impression on them. How many times has a friend put you on to something? Whether it's a new restaurant or music, it always feels good to share something you love with the people you hold dear. But what if your loved ones didn't know about Jesus? Better question, what if you didn't know about Jesus? Would you want your friends to share the good news with you? So today, Pastor Gary reminds you that you have the power to influence those around you and to recall that it's a believer's job to share the good news with the world. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Acts chapter 15 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. Best commentary in the Bible is to take the Bible and compare it with the Bible and use passages of the Bible to fill in some of the blanks that one passage may not give you, but another passage does. And what Paul is letting us know is that God used a very natural thing, like an illness, to keep him from moving on north to Bithynia, that God wanted him to just stay right where he was in the region of Galatia. Now, that becomes very challenging because I know that I can hear the objections in my head that some of you have. Does that mean that God made him sick in order to keep him in Galatia so that they could hear the gospel? I'm not going to go so far as to say God makes somebody sick. I, I will clearly, however, say, because I believe, that God will use natural things like a physical illness to sideline us at a place where he wants us to remain for a period of time. Sometimes when things happen in our lives... And at first, it might seem like a setback, or it might seem like, you know, this is, this is not good, and God has sidelined me, or, or I don't understand why I can't go here or go there. Why did this fall through? Why didn't that come through? Don't dismiss it, because sometimes God will use the natural things in order to keep us right in the center of his will. It was God's will the people of Galatia hear the gospel. Paul was ready to move on. Paul was ready to go to Bithynia. He says the Holy Spirit kept us there in Galatia. He said the Spirit of Jesus wouldn't allow us to move on. And could it be that God used an illness 
not necessarily gave him an illness, but simply used a physical condition for the advantage of the kingdom so that Paul was laid up there for a little while longer in Galatia just so that the people could hear the gospel. Because that's what he says in Galatians 4.13. It was because of an illness that you first heard the gospel from me. Don't anybody tell me that, that all sickness, some, some circles they say this kind of thing, if you have sickness, you just don't have faith. Paul says it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you Galatians, all right? So God can use supernatural things and he can use natural things to accomplish his purposes and his plans for the sake of the kingdom. So I don't think it was a supernatural thing. I think it was a very natural thing that kept him right where he was. And he interpreted and realized that God used that some, quote, setback to just keep him right where he was. And I want you sometimes to consider where God has you. And don't think necessarily that you're to move on or, or that it's a necessarily a bad place. It may not always be comfortable, all right? And you might feel disappointed somewhat because you were hoping this would change or that would change or this would open up or that would open up. But look for what God wants to do right there without moving on and just asking, you have me here, Lord. What is it you want me to do here? Be faithful to bloom where you were planted. And you trust God for the timing on the rest of it. Because what looks like sometimes that we're being sidelined to us is actually God's way of just kind of putting the brakes because he wants us right where we are for his sake. Okay? Paul says, it was because of an illness I first preached the gospel to you. Now, they move on to Troas, where he just is like, okay, this is, the, this is time to move on now. And he has this, this vision there in verse 8. During the night, verse 9, during the night, Paul had a vision. So it's during the night, so a vision, is this a dream? Is he still conscious? You know, we don't know. But he he has this vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia. So the Lord speaks to him through this vision. Uh, Folks, listen, don't discount this either. I I had breakfast with a friend of mine, uh, Mike Minter, pastors at Reston Bible Church down the road. And uh, he and I were having breakfast together this morning. He was telling me he just got back from the Amazon, where he goes, has gone on many occasions. And he, sa- and he said to me, he said, Gary, man, some of the things I, I see and, and re- recognize there have stretched my theology. I said, how so? He says, you know, you know, we have all these pastors, about 88 pastors, he said, who came from surrounding villages, all by boat, to try to get to this remote place in the jungles of the, of, uh, by the Amazon River. And, um, and he said, some of them would come, and he would ask, how did you hear about, about this? So he goes there and he helps to encourage pastors in all these various villages who come from far and wide because it's a very remote place to just be encouraged in the gospel. And he says, Gary, so many, so many would come to me and say, because I had a vision that I was supposed to come here. I had a dream that I was supposed to come here. I don't know who you are. I don't know what's going on, but I've just showed up because I felt like the Lord has told me to be here. So, you know, the Lord is still working in wonderful, miraculous ways that we shouldn't dismiss or discount. I don't think it's an everyday occurrence. I think those kinds of, you know, dreams and visions uh, might be rare, but nevertheless do and still happen. And we shouldn't discount the ways that God works. Here he's working with a vision or a dream of some sort. Paul sees this man in Macedonia saying, come over here, come over here. And so they go. 
concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Verse 11. From Troas we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace and the next day on to Neapolis. So now we're here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna broaden out. Macedonia is actually this greater region here. We're in Greece now. He comes to Neapolis. It's a city up in the top of the right part of the circle. And they're gonna end up going on to Philippi. Verse 12. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony. And the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. Philippi, by the way, historically was the leading city of that district. It was a Roman colony as prestigious as Rome itself. It was founded by Philip of Macedon. He was king of Macedon from 359 B.C. to 336 B.C. when he was assassinated. Philip of Macedon, the one who discovered and started the city of Philippi, he was the father of Alexander the Great. And so he made it into a tremendous, a very affluent Roman colony. Uh, many Roman soldiers, when they would reach the end of their career, would retire from from serving in the military, and they would retire in Philippi. It was kind of like the South Florida of the day, where people would go and retire in their, in their autumn season of life. And so now Paul, with Silas and Luke and Timothy, they've come here to Philippi, and this is going to be the major scene for the rest of this chapter. Check out and see what happens here. In verse 13, he says, On the Sabbath we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. Now please note that it means there was not a Jewish synagogue because they would always go first to the Jewish synagogue, but now they're going to the place of the river just to find a place of prayer because they want to just pray, but there's no synagogue. Meaning, there's no Jewish population here. You have to have at least 10 Jewish men in any city in order to have a synagogue. No Jewish presence here. This is a Gentile and I might add pagan city, but he goes down to the river where he might find a place of prayer. It says, we sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God. Kind of like the story of Cornelius. She's like, she's like aware of God, worships God, doesn't understand the whole Jesus connection. There's a lot of people like that in our world, by the way. Good people you know, they love God, they talk about God, they don't understand about Jesus. That, that's important to connect the dots. And Lydia's about to get the dots connected here. So the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. He's, he's just sharing the gospel. And verse 15 says that when she and the members of her household were baptized, which infers then she believed, she's water baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. Okay, now let me pause here because we're going to get into something that um, may not be familiar to some of you, but um, speaking of familiar, she has uh, what uh, some translations call a familiar spirit. King James Bible says she has a spirit of divination. Now, it, it looks very um, innocent how she's a fortune teller, but we're going to find in a moment here, actually, she's demon-possessed. So, you know, the book of Acts is, I mean, it's, it explores all kinds of spiritual power, not only the power of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Lord, but we're also going to see the demonic, the dark side here. And here's this girl. She's a slave girl. She's a spirit by which she predicted the future. King James says a spirit of divination. And she earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling her. 
by, by fortune telling her, by, by fortune telling, they, they had hired her because she's making a lot of money. You know, it's the same kind of thing. Listen, don't go into these signs where they say they'll read your palm and, you know, tarot cards and all this other kind of nonsense. Don't go in there. Some of them, no doubt, are just charlatans. They just want your money. Others of them probably have tapped into the demonic. When people say, you know what, somebody read my future, you know, they read my palm or they read tarot cards and all this kind of stuff, and they were spot on, all right? You know, so I believe it must be real. Do not be deceived by that. Because the work of darkness and the demonic tap into those kinds of things. They can see in the unseen realm what we can't see and sometimes understand what we can't understand. Don't put your confidence in this kind of stuff. It's demonic. This girl was possessed by a demon. We're going to see here in a moment because... The demon gets cast out of her. Look what she does. Verse 17. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. Isn't that cute? That's precious, isn't it? You got a demon-possessed girl who is going around and she's your publicity. She's your PR girl. All right? Not the best PR you want. You don't want the demon-possessed girl in town. Trying to tell everybody, these guys, they have the real message. Or maybe she was like, these guys, they have the, I don't know what she was. But, but verse 18, she says she kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul had enough. He became so troubled that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. That's how we know she was possessed. She's possessed by a demon that is able to discern spiritual things, speaks through her, and people give her a lot of money. And her owners are making money hand over fist because of this demon-possessed girl. They are her spiritual pimp, if you will, because they're using her. They're exploiting her for purposes of their own financial gain. And here she is saying all these things that get so annoying to Paul. And Paul's... Paul just looks right at her and he rebukes the spirit, okay? It's nothing personal against her. It says that he rebuked the spirit in the name of Jesus, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her, okay? So now she's delivered. But her owners, the ones who are making money off of her, are not happy campers. Look at the next verse. Verse 19, when the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Try to get a sense of this, okay? I know these are, these are words, but try to put yourself in this scene. They were stripped Naked, humiliated, and beaten, severely flogged, and the Romans had no limit. The Jews under the law had a limit, 39 lashes, no more. 40 is, is, is the limit, so they would always err on the side of, well, we'll do 39 then. The Romans had no limit. 
They've been severely flogged, thrown into prison, and now they're fastened with their feet in stocks in the inner cell. Okay? And it says in verse 25 that about midnight, check this out, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. Now, no, this is not a natural phenomenon. This is a supernatural phenomenon, okay? Because if it was just a natural phenomenon, everybody's prison doors wouldn't open, everybody's chains wouldn't fall off. This is something God is doing, and he's doing it not only for the benefit of Paul and Silas. I don't know where Luke and Timothy are. They're kind of, you know, in the shadows somewhere. But for Paul and Silas, he's not only doing it for them, he's doing it for the rest of the prisoners in the prison. And all, and all their uh, prison doors flew open. Everybody's chains came loose. Verse 27. And the jailer woke up. And when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. During the Roman Empire, if a soldier was entrusted with guarding a prisoner and the prisoner escaped under his watch, the Roman soldier had to receive the penalty that was due the prisoner that he was guarding. The jailer here realized, if all the prisoners escape, I'm, I'm dead anyway. So he was, he was ready to fall on his sword. And that's why Paul says, no, no, don't, don't, don't harm yourself. We're all here. We're all here. Even, even the other prisoners, apparently, they're all here. They realize this is an incredible phenomenon that's just happened. Now, listen, th- there's some challenging things in this passage, and, I, and, I, and I'm challenged by a few things, so I, I want to share with you. One of the things that I'm challenged about here by the selfless examples of Paul and Silas is, first of all, how they were praying and singing to the Lord in prison after being stripped, beaten, and severely flogged. This is amazing. This is incredible. And I don't just want to read over this and gloss over it too quickly and move on. I want you to try to imagine what it would be like to be stripped naked, humiliated, beaten, severely flogged, thrown into prison, your feet in shackles. What kind of a praying, singing mood would you be in? Now, I think I might be in a praying mood. I'd be like, you know, why God? You know, one of those. I don't think I'd be singing. I just personally don't think I'd be singing. Don't judge me. I don't think you would either. I think this is remarkable. These people here, these guys are just singing to the Lord. They have the joy of the Lord in the midst of the most terrible, severe thing. They've just been punished severely for something they didn't do. They're thrown in prison, and they're just joyfully, they're praying, and they're singing, and all the other prisoners are hearing. You know, God in his infinite wisdom, of course, you know, he loves the people in the prison here as much as he does the people outside of the jail. And these people need to hear the gospel, too. So Paul and Silas are going to pray and they're going to sing and the people are going to bear witness to this because it says there that the other prisoners heard this. In verse 25, the other prisoners were listening to them. It's making an impression on them. And then God sends this wonderful earthquake, prison doors open, shackles fall off their feet, and all the prisoners are able to go. And that's the other thing that I love here. Instead of running what did Paul and Silas do? They, they're witnessing instead of escaping. Now, come on, seriously. I mean, don't over-spiritualize yourself in this story, all right? If you're in prison and you knew you're in prison and nothing you've done wrong, you're just trying to love Jesus and share Jesus, and all of a sudden this wonderful earthquake comes along and your prison door flies open and the manacles fall off your feet. I don't know about you. I am running. 
as fast as I, I'm going to be like Jehovah Jireh, and I'm just going to be running for all I'm worth. Not looking back. See ya, you know? Not Paul and Silas. Like, you know what? We're going to take this opportunity to minister. Seriously? I mean, this is challenging, and I love it, and I'm challenged by it. I just don't think I would be doing what they're doing. I think I would have felt like the Lord opened up the prison doors. Let's take off as fast as we possibly could. No, no, they stop. And they're like, hey, we're all here. We're all here. Don't harm yourself. Verse 29, the jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? I mean, you talk about the question. If you've ever been in a situation where you're wondering like, you know, I really want to witness to my coworker, to my neighbor, to my friends. You know, I'm just kind of looking for that open door. Talk about an open door. It's like, hey, can you just tell me how to get saved? I want to, I want to, I want to be able to get born again. Can you just kind of fill in the gaps for me? And so he comes right up. He says, I just want to be saved. And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Now, don't twist the words. He doesn't mean if you believe, everybody in your household will be saved. It's, it's not salvation by proxy, okay? He's saying believe in the Lord Jesus. You and your household need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Because the next verse says, And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. So he gave him the whole counsel of Scripture. He explained, some people look at this and say, see, you know, it's all just about believe. You don't need to repent from your, you know, it, it, it's, it's everything. It's the full package. You need to repent and leave your ways. You need to confess your sin. You need to, to receive and believe. But, but what he does here is he, he speaks the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his household. And it says, and at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And then immediately he and his family were baptized, water baptized, because they believe. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. And it says, and when it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. They didn't know what had happened during the night. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can go, leave, go in peace. But Paul, I like this, Paul's got a little chutzpah going here. He says, but Paul, Paul said to the officers, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens, and threw us into prison, and now do they want to get rid of us quietly? No. Let them come themselves and escort us out. <laughs> I like that. He's got some sauce there. He's a little saucy there. He's just like, you know what? Uh, no, we're not leaving until these people apologize to us and escort us out of the city. So that's what they do. The officers reported this to the magistrates, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed, because you're not supposed to beat a Roman citizen without a trial, and they didn't know that, and they beat him instead. And they came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. You know, we want to apologize, please, but go. All right? We love you, but go. And after Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and encouraged them and then they left. They left Philippi. And it's the last thing, and we'll close with this. They, they were encouraging others when they needed encouragement themselves. Isn't that marvelous? What's that last verse there? They went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and encouraged them. Who needed the encouragement? So Paul and Silas have been in prison and beaten. But nevertheless, 
they encouraged others even though they themselves needed encouragement. These are some pretty shining examples of what it means to be a wholehearted, devoted follower of Jesus Christ. That's all for today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. What are some things you've taken away from the messages here in Acts? Would you let us know? You can get in touch with us by sending an email to prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. While you're sharing what you've learned, feel free to send us a prayer request so we can know how to be praying for our listeners. That email again is prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. Our radio ministry is an outpouring of what's going on here at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary teaches every Sunday at 8.30, 10, and 11.45 a.m. We also meet at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. To learn more about who we are, go to cornerstoneconnection.cc. We're so happy that you're part of our listening audience, and we'd be delighted to meet you and hear your faith journey. Like so many of the people mentioned in Acts, there's much transformation that happens in a person's heart when they seek to follow after God. We hope that's the case for you, too. All that to say, we hope you'll continue to tune in to these messages and keep growing as you dig into the book of Acts with us. We'll be right here, same time, same place, at Cornerstone Connection. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.